Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am Savanya Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. A tense drug deal turned into a firefight when Val's nemesis, Daria Raylin, appeared as Wheels of Date. Everett jumped into the fray and eventually managed to shoot out Cherry's tires to recover the drugs, but with Doris still in hiding, Val was at the mercy of Daria's mind control and let the villains go. In the chaos of the escape and Val and Everett being shot with silver bullets, what has become of Will? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. Evangeline, you're okay physically. <laughs> Val and Everett, you're walking wounded, but you're walking wounded in a way that you're not missing any limbs. There's nothing else. It's painful, but you are still functional beings living in the world. It's one of the bonuses of being a vampire is if you're not all the way nearing death, you can still function. Uh, you you lock down the scene. Uh, mortal officers come uh, and join you. Some of them go out into the roads around the field. They track down Will. They bring him back and leave him in the back of a car. They're, they're cleaning up the evidence. They're getting things out of the vehicles. Uh, and for the first time, you know the townsfolk aren't entirely won over by your department. But this is the first time that you're seeing daytime officers give you a lot of nods of respect. This is the first time mm. they're seeing like, oh, this is shit vampires are doing that they couldn't do. When they look at this scene, the daytime people know, like, oh, if they'd tried to do this bust, they'd just all be dead, and the drugs would still be in town. And they know how nasty this is. So despite the challenges of this, this was ultimately a successful mission in a number of ways. And Everett, you are not nearly as paranoid as you would be. Uh, the only two who got any kind of look at you were the Nosferatu. It was frantic combat. They were trying to get out of there, and you didn't see any signs of recognition from them. So is this going to be something that may bite you in the ass? Maybe, but it's not an obvious threat of having had to reveal yourself. The one thing that is strange, though, is that there is a dog that is barking maniacally at any of the daytime officers who try to open the door to the front of the truck. And one of them comes over and he's like, hey, Sheriff, I don't know what to do. Like, the dog's going fucking nuts at people. Uh, do you want to try to talk to it? Uh, see if uh, uh, Officer Clark can uh, sort that one out. Uh, I think that's uh, more her domain. Can you roll me a wits and awareness? Is she not around? <laughs> 
the awareness. There we go. Uh, four successes. Evangeline is on the other side of the, the parking lot talking with some of the other officers to make sure the drugs are getting stowed away. And you also remember that the piece of advice you were given in therapy was that you needed to get a pet. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, you know what? On second thought, I'll, uh, I'll go see what I can do. And I'll uh, approach the vehicle and the dog. The dog is just staring at you. It's a big German Shepherd. If you had to guess, somewhere in the 100 to 110 pounds, just like big guard dog, spiked collar. And it's just giving you a dirty look, but it's not barking. Just through the window of the truck. Uh... I will I'll put my hand on the on the handle for the truck and visually check in with this animal again. See if that triggers anything in it motioning to open the door. It starts to growl at you. Can you roll me a composure or I would say manipulation, if you're trying to like willpower it to be nice to you, manipulation, <laughs> if you're trying to show no fear, composure. Uh, and then I would accept survival or streetwise, if you want to try to read the situation, or animal can, if you wanted to try to positively affect it through the dog mean, I whispering. Have, I have points in streetwise. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Let's use that. Oof. Uh, two successes. Two successes. The dog is growling at you, and it looks pissed off, and you cannot tell if it is bluffing or what is going on. You're not really an animal person, and it just seems kind of angry. Hmm. I'll, I'll, I'm going to talk to this animal through the door, through the window. I'm just going to put a finger up to the glass, and I'm going to say, Hey, listen, I've had a hell of a night, and you may not know this, because you and your truck, I, you're probably not from around here, but I'm the sheriff, and that carries a lot of weight around here. So you better smarten up. Uh, not really thinking like I'm, I'm reasoning with this animal, but just talking to a dog to kind of buy time and read this thing. <laughs> Does talking to it do anything? Um, if it seems to be the same, I'm going to open the door. Let's, uh, if it let's seems try, worse, I'm going to not. <laughs> uh, manipulation or composure, uh, depends on how you think that was played internally. And then, uh, it could be, uh, uh, leadership it could be uh, insight feels like it might be one, or etiquette actually let's do etiquette i feel like you're trying okay. to to speak to this dog on its level oh my god the success ratio on this three dice roll is the highest i've had all night two successes <laughs> <laughs> the dog cocks its head and stops growling and just seems like it was listening all right, I'm going to keep talking then as I open the door. I'm going to say, uh, that's right. You didn't know you were 
in the presence of a, a big shot, huh, were you? Now, as an officer of the law, I'm going to have to take down your information. And I'm going to see if this dog has a collar. Great. Can you give me the same roll? <laughs> Hell yeah. Three successes on three dumb dice. <laughs> <laughs> The dog will allow it. Okay. Uh, with the inspecting of the collar come scritches. Uh, and and uh, what, what do I see? Is there a collar or? Yep, there's a spike yeah. collar. Uh, oh, and wow, as you okay. flip it around, uh, you can see that there was a name tag on a plate, but it has basically been scratched off over time. So it will be up to you to name this dog. Okay. Just for the uh-huh. files. Just for the files at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you're uh, new in town with uh, a new identity too, huh? Well, hey, me too. And just continue, I guess, kind of like massaging the dog, you know, around the ears, under the chin a little, wherever it feels like it's permitting me to do that. Everything is kind of done with... Uh, um, uh, it's sort of like an exploratory thing of like, is this uh, an okay spot or do you not like that kind of thing? And anything that gets permitted is, you know, more enthusiastic scratches and scratches there. Yeah, the the dog gives a, a little yelp when you get to its right shoulder. And when you look at your fingers, you can see there's a little bit of blood. Okay. Um, but the dog leans forward and like rests its forehead on your shoulder and then licks your chest. And then you just hear like this little grumble of satisfaction <laughs> and you look down at his shoulder and realize it's healed over because you are bleeding profusely as a vampire and the dog has been <laughs> drinking vampire blood off your chest just by licking you. So it is now healed and seems like a little stoned, but kind of happy. <laughs> All right. Okay, then. Uh, did not know that's quite how that would work. Uh, All right. Well, uh, Shit. Like, I'm looking for something, like a lead for this dog or anything like that. Um, Is there anything in the cab of the truck to indicate that this dog was ever on, like, a leash or anything like that? There's a chain that's bolted to the back of the bunk to keep the dog within the cab. But, no, there's there's no kind of lead. I'm going to try and yank this chain out just so I've got something to keep the dog with me. If I can can take it out of the truck with me, I would like to have a leash of some kind. So I'm going to try... And pull this chain off. Nice. Can I get a strength in athletics? Oh my god. I should have been doing itty bitty baby rolls the whole time. Three successes. Out of four dice. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Everett? <laughs> yeah, Everett, you bust that chain right off the wall. Uh, you could loop it through the collar. The dog seems pretty okay with this, but again, a little bit stoned. Uh, and <laughs> it just starts following you around. You don't really have to use the lead. Oh. It's clear some positive reinforcement combined with vampire blood seems to make this dog rather fond of you in rather short notice. All right. Um, I think I, I, I think just because that that inherent like affinity for dogs in Everett is not present um not yet anyway (laughs) um he's gonna keep the dog on the lead just out of caution but yeah he'll lead him out of the cab and let the daytime 
shift no. All right, should be all all yours now. Yeah, they they don't want the giant dog, uh, and if they go near it, still growls. So, so yeah, then I it will seems leave like the dog it, away. It yeah. may have a problem with mortals in a way that it may not mm. with vampires. Okay. Percy seems pretty chill with it. Percy goes over and like does the dog hello thing. They don't really play because dogs of that large a size difference don't always get along immediately. But like they have a they have a reasonably calm greeting, uh, and then Percy okay. goes back to Evangeline. Val, you are heavily injured. You are on site. Will is in the back of a squad car from some of the daytime officers. You did have a very strange and uncomfortable uh, yelling match with him. How are you feeling? What are you thinking? Yeah, Val, Val feels like garbage. I think Val is sitting somewhere, whether that's on the side. I don't know if, the, the, yeah, the squad people are probably still working on getting all of the drugs out of Cherry. So she probably just found a board to sit on somewhere. And her face is all bloody and she just has her hands like in her mouth because some of her teeth got knocked out and were like growing back in. So she's just like <laughs> fiddling inside of her mouth. <laughs> and blood everywhere, and she's she's watching to see Will talking to the officers and them meandering about. But sh- she feels like, well, she feel in her mind rightly so that literally everything that happened tonight was her fault because the drug deal, those people being here, all of that is because of her and her connections and her problems that followed here. Yeah, and Will is not talking to anybody. Will is a dark storm of emotion just sitting in the back of a squad car where he's being kept like a prisoner. Like, they have not let him out to kind of walk Mm. around. Uh, Evangeline, an officer, has come over and told you, because they're too afraid to go tell Val any bad news, that they're like, he was going to keep running to Calgary, and if we let him go, he's going to get on a bus, or he's going to steal a car, or he's going to go profess his love to whoever the fuck was working in this goddamn weird vampire mafia bullshit. Shit. Okay, yeah, thanks. Thanks, I'll tell. I'll tell Miller. Thank you. Evangeline approaches Val. Val was distracted by just watching Will be stormy and kind of glances up at Evangeline, looks back, and then finally realizes that someone is walking towards her. And she just looks at the ground. What? Uh... Yeah, so I guess Will, he's, uh, I guess he's pretty set on, uh, following that, uh, that, uh, I don't know who, what, who, who was that? Did you know her? <laughs> yeah. Piece of shit. It's Daria Raylan. Guess you huh. haven't, haven't had the pleasure of meeting some fucking Toreadors yet, but, I mean, it's like... Doris does that mind shit, but it's not, it's not fucked up like that, like, and Val is just, like, too tired to be angry. Val, like, kicks at the dirt on the ground, but is just so tired and hurt. Uh, and Evangeline sits down next to Val and says, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I don't know, 
if like Will's like legit in love with her or if it's some like mind stuff she's doing to him, but like he's pretty hell bent on following her. Like if we let him go, he's I think he's gone. Like, I mean, obviously we have to hold him anyways, like, but. Yeah, I guess just hold him for now then if, if you got to lock him up. Okay. And Evangeline will get up and walk over to, I don't know, go to the drugs again. <laughs> And that wraps out the night. Um, Will is taken to the station and locked up in the the extra jail cell inside uh, your own personal lockup. Everett and Val, you go to the hospital for the night uh, to get some additional healing done. You are seen by the ever-present... Let me just confirm the name. Dr. Kate Holloway, who is currently operating the hospital after the accident that befell Nurse Stella Carson. Uh, she's the one who did uh, the same uh, autopsy breakdown for you previously. Yeah. So you have some familiarity with her. Uh, and you both spend the night overnight there. Everett, your newfound animal companion, refuses to leave your side and menaces anyone who is not a vampire who goes near you or him. This dog just... Looking after Vampire Boy, that's it. Uh, will not leave the hospital. Gorbong tries to remove, and it does not go well. Eventually, they just agree that the guard dog can stay with you uh, inside your room that you share with Val. And Evangeline, you go home after filling out an ungodly amount of paperwork because <laughs> you're the one person who was able to do said paperwork. And over the next couple of days, there's recovery. There is paperwork and uh, a number of other kind of elements take place. Uh, Everett, you find that this dog really likes the taste of your blood uh, and is licking your bandages uh, each day and then just kind of dopely and happily sitting next to you uh, in the hospital as your, your healing is accelerated. Val, your healing is going on, but you are still tortured by what has occurred. There's no question this doesn't get any easier with you hanging out. And the nice thing is you both functionally become outpatients within the hospital. You can go work at night and go back to get dosed kind of through the day with additional blood to allow things to move forwards. Is there anything specific that any of you would want to look into in regards to the investigation of VH? Uh, I know, Everett, you are also looking into Harv's contract and the rumors surrounding that. Uh, and I also know Evangeline, you wanted to have a talk with Everett about Everett not liking you terribly much. Then this happened. That may have changed priorities or timing, but these are all kind of floating concerns. Yeah. Um, uh, so I want to make sure that at the hospital, like they're knowing to like look out for this VH stuff. And now we have a sample. They can do testing for it so to Great. figure yep. out if anyone if anyone's like how prevalent it is in the community if there are people come in who've been injured who've had it or OD'd on it that yep. can you roll me either wits or intelligence in investigation yeah I'll go intelligence and hunger's back to one of course yes Yeah. and 
Uh, three successes. Three successes. You pass on the information so the hospital will be ready to look, and you personally comb through the, le- the records alongside Kate uh, to see if there has been a trend in either usage or abuse of this on an ongoing basis. Your guess, based on the experiences that you have, is the majority of any sort of tainted blood addictive substances tends to be humans using to sell to vampires who then use at like the Nosferatu club district Mm. because vampires can only become intoxicated if they drink the blood of an intoxicated person. So it's its own kind of little side market that is not something that is actively pursued and is technically illegal, but you've all just kind of decided to ignore because there's no harm, no foul. The guess would be that this first shipment was meant to be a big push to start the trade off Mm -hmm. and own the town really fast because something this nasty and something this addictive introduced to a town of only, you know, 14, 15,000 people. If they can make a big move, they'll dominate the market instantly. So it seems like you cut that off right at the head. Okay. Without it actually reaching the population. Awesome. The amount being brought in suggests that it's a fucking problem in Calgary, though. Yeah. Because it's not like, oh, we're going to do a small pop-up and then send a massive shipment to somewhere else as the start. This is building secondary markets to a market that must be thriving. Fucking hell. So I would imagine you also, over this time, could do some smaller press conferences about the drug and about the things that are going on. There would also be a service for... uh, Adela, who died in the Gangrel. Yeah. The Gangrel Quarter. Would you all attend? Would any of you not attend? Yeah, Bill would. Yeah, Evangeline definitely would. Yeah, it's a ceremony. You're not expected uh, to to speak or anything. It's not like there's an official eulogy. It's it's a moonlit ceremony that takes place in a wooded patch just outside of town where they can find a clearing where the Gangrel, who had run in Adela's pack, uh, gathered to remember her and remember what she was capable of, what she had given to the pack and to the community and all of those things. Uh, and everyone is invited to take a turn to go up and and either give a recollection, uh, lay something on the grave, just some kind of tribute or token. Uh, you would have had time to prepare these. You would have known that this was a possibility. Uh, Lorcan is somebody who'd be pretty good to make that kind of side call. And so is Kevin, uh, just to, to give you the update. Uh, what would you bring to to lay at the the cairn of Adela? Uh, I I mean, could give her some kind of award or something, some medal or something. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know, someone who died in the line of duty kind of thing she was deputized yeah yeah so So what is the high honor of the sheriff's department of new haven knowing that there wasn't one previously so the three of you would have had to create an honor title and award to be given over uh what if it was called. What if we named it after her? Call the, the medal uh, Adela's Valor or something. Ooh, that's fucking great. Mm-hmm. 
So for the first time, the Medal of Adele and Valor is <laughs> awarded to a citizen of New Haven for the ultimate service and the ultimate sacrifice for both kindred and mortals. This is the rare case, and it is noted throughout the town on the various media sources. The kindred seem surprisingly proud of it as them doing their duty as superior beings. I mean, it's vaguely problematic messaging, but it's the Camarilla, so that's what you're getting. Uh, but the mortal news is also you're seeing people think differently. Up until now, it seemed like a lot of vampire-on-vampire vampire violence that mortals were getting caught up in, but this is the first time you have a clear case of vampires were coming in to do bad shit, and a vampire yeah. died stopping them, and no one in town was hurt in the process. So that is... Uh, a, a good victory for you. Uh, a small one, but a good one. And Kevin gives you, Val, the security tapes from Tim's old times gas station. Oh, my God. Because it verges on both Gangrel and Bruja territory. So he had the ability uh, to get those to you if you wanted to look into what Will had been up to previously. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. That would... Bell would be very appreciative of that, for sure. Excellent. Can you roll me an intelligence and awareness? Or intelligence and investigation. It would depend Can... on whether you're, like, investigating the film or just watching it all to try to piece it together. Can I offer up that Everett would be interested in helping Val, uh, you know, investigate this, you know, lending his expertise on this matter, but also fully recognizing that Val might tell him to back the fuck off. Yeah, honestly, in this situation, I think I think Val, because she's so shaken and it's been so hard, and I think a main thing that she has been doing during all of this time has been every day making sure that Will has food he likes <laughs> in jail and, like, going out of her way to take time to do that. So... I think it would be a situation where Everett could walk in on Val thinking she's going to investigate these tapes and is just watching like the first 10 minutes and rewinding them and watching the begin and, and can't even function well to be actually watching them. All right. If, then Everett, can yeah. you roll me? Okay. I mean, oh, here's the question. Would you talk with Val about to try to coach her through that? Or would you watch the tapes to try to talk to her about what you saw? Like, yeah, what's your approach when you see this at a Val who is... Outside of the circumstance, you're most stalwart, capable, and unflappable yeah. officer. Yeah, I think in recognition of that, it would be a collaborative initiative. It would not be, let me take this for you. It would be, how can I help you? How can we do this together? I would love to see that conversation, if yeah, you don't right. mind me yeah, imposing yeah. upon you. Sure, yeah. So I'll be I'll be standing in the doorway. Um watching as you watching as val maybe rewinds maybe two or three times mm -hmm. um and uh everett will just kind of <clears throat> uh officer miller um you know uh uh i understand you've uh had a lot on your mind last couple of nights as we uh, recover and process and mourn uh, Adela there. Uh, 
And I know there's a lot of uh, unanswered questions around your son, and I know... I know he ain't acting right, you know, the way that... The way that you used to. And so, uh... Well, I just, I just wanted to say, you know, if you wanted a hand investigating what happened that night or leading up to that night, I'm, I would make time for that if, uh, if I could be any help, you know. Man, fellas just feel, feel so, so sash right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if there's fucking fucking anything on these tapes like maybe maybe uh maybe it's not acting out of the ordinary maybe it isn't vampire shit maybe i'm just fucking wrong well uh i don't imagine there's much that could get past uh Tough as nails, bounty hunter and uh, detective turd sheriff. You know, I mean, look, I'm not trying to make you feel better now. I'm trying to help you get to the place where you feel better after you hunt down these people. You know, I know how you can feel better about this. And it's not here in this office. It's out there, wherever they're hiding. Giving them their due. Man, yeah, I'm fucking right about that. I just wish I could have fucking seen it coming. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's that's a hindsight, isn't it? Always, always so clear. After the fact. Now, uh, I mean, maybe in the spirit of that, we can look at this here footage. Maybe it'll, maybe something will be clear to us now that wasn't then. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Val pulls a chair. <laughs> Squeaks pulls a chair next to her. <laughs> All right, let's do some fucking work, I guess. All right. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. It's me, Tyler Hewitt. I normally play Everett Fry, but today I'm playing the role of guy who will talk to you about Patreon. That's right. Dum Dums and Dice has a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, you can support us at a number of different levels. For example, for $25 a month, you get your name added in the special thank yous at the end of every episode. And you get to create an NPC of your own that will join the cast of Dum Dums and Dragons, or Blood and Syrup, or the Valentine Heresy in their adventures. You don't have to be bitten by a vampire to be immortalized, okay? It, it's, it can be so much simpler. Patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Okay? Memorize it. Type it. Click it. The clicking part is, is subscribing. All right. You got this. Oh, 
All right, let's get rolls from both of you for this. So, Everett, you'll be using intelligence and investigation. Okay. Val, would you be intelligence and investigation? Would you be wits and awareness? Where do you feel like you are at emotionally in terms of this work? Yeah, I think it's it's more wits and awareness because I th think the concern is just exactly that of feeling it out and and worried that she's not going to find anything suspicious. But I think it's so I think it's less just more watching Will on his behavior and how that tracks to what she knows about him. Yep, that makes perfect sense. Okay, so those are the rules, friends. Uh, are we back down to one hunger on this? Yes, because you guys are Ooh. pumped chock full Thank of. You. Yeah, I know. I was like, that's a lot of hunger dice to be rolling on this. Okay. That's why you're spending nights at the hospital. If you had just gone back to base to try to work off of rations, you would have burned through everything in the building. So it's much easier to mm -hmm. keep yourself juiced when you're getting it from Dr. Kate Holloway. Val is having a hard time. I rolled five dice and had zero successes. Oh. Everett rolled four successes. All right. So, Val, you were so caught up in your feelings that as you're watching this, all you see is Daria Raylin shows up a couple of times and they talk and then Daria leaves. And it just is kind of your worst nightmare, which is there's nothing shady going on. It just seems to be somebody got a chance to talk to him. And that was all he needed to like hate everything about his existing life. You keep this inside you as you keep watching with Everett because you don't want to taint anything he may be seeing. Then Everett, yep. you have the same habit. Everett, you see things differently because you are watching from a much more tactical perspective. Uh, you notice two specific things. One, Daria does not just walk in. Daria is brought in and introduced by the two other employees, Kevin and Kamala who seem to be making an introduction very specifically between these two. Whether it's social, whether that was nefarious, you're not sure, but she was not a stranger to them. Like, they entered together. And the other thing you notice as you keep watching the tape is she came and visited three times, which is very strange for someone to be declaring their undying love. But because of those last two successes of your four, uh, what you notice is that she provided a drink, something that they just, you know, took off the shelf in the store and it was fine. But as you watched, you could see her palm something into the drink that was given to Will. So each time she came in and dosed him with something, you don't know what that is, but you are aware that that happened. Uh, and that's what you see. So after countless hours of watching these tapes over and over, not talking, and the first companionable silence either of you may have had with each other, uh, you time time to reveal your findings. All right. I think Everett like rubbing his eyes at like staring the mm -hmm. screen, staring at the screen for so long. Um, leans back in his chair and says, uh, "All right, I gotta." I've got a couple of notes, but uh, why don't you tell me what you make of this? Val is also rubbing her eyes, and as it's like as she sits back, you can see she's she's like rubbed red streaks across her eyes. Mm. She's like she's crying, but trying to not. Um, I just fucking saw like. Maybe just fucking unhappy here. 
Maybe it just fucked everything up. I don't think so. In fact, I don't think that's the case at all. Here, let me show you some. And I'll kind of scroll through to the uh, the visit where she provides the drink, whether that's the first, last, or what. Once um, each time. So it's all three visits. Once each time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then noticing that, yeah, I, I will go to each kind of portion of her visit where that happens. And I'll say, she offers him a drink each time she comes to visit. And look here, you can see she's putting something in his drink. Sending out, you know, I don't know all these kinds of alchemy potions or whatever. I know Doris is up to some kind of weird stuff that I can't explain. Would it make sense that she could put something in a drink that would change your son's disposition towards her, towards you? Val, can you roll me a wits and awareness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if this is something I would be aware of. <gasps> oh my God, the tables are turning. <laughs> I rolled. I rolled four successes, and two of them are ten. So I got a critical success. I got six successes. Yay! Oh shit! Val, for the first moment. Oh my god! You're... Actually, it's also a messy success because one of them is on the hunger dice. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> So then even more so, uh, your despair lifts and turns immediately to the hottest, coldest rage you have ever felt (laughs) because you know exactly what she fucking did. And this fucking vampire blood bonded your kid to manipulate Mm. him into doing this crime. So the blood bond is an incredibly fucked up thing that we haven't had to deal with because all our people who drink from fucking vampires are immune to it. So Everett has a specific immunity to it, and so does Doris. Hmm. Um, But for anyone else, if you drink a vampire's blood, you start feeling a very strong emotional bond to them. And if you do it three times or more, you become hopelessly in love with them. And it takes months to get rid of that. So traditionally, for like a medium-range vampire, to go and get rid of a blood bond would take three months. So it takes three separate doses. It's been used by vampires very creepily to kind of enslave and control other vampires. It's also why ghouls tend to be fanatically loyal to whichever vampire ghouled them. New Haven has specifically worked around this in that they shift out the ghoul blood supply so that they can make sure it's spaced enough that the officers don't end up falling in love with someone specifically mm. randomly due to kind of their medical treatments. Um, but this means Will isn't in love with her. He's essentially been drugged to an undeniable form of love that's completely a scam and a trap but he won't stop feeling it for three months. And it's completely a manipulation. And you 110% know she did this to fuck with you. Like she came and she fucking found him and she did this just to hurt you as much as she could while also starting a business venture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't get off of her chair and picks up her chair and throws the chair across the room (laughs) and says, that fucking bitch mother fucker and then she slowly turns back to Everett you're you're so fucking right Sheriff Fry you're 
you're really, you are good at investigating. Fuck, I couldn't see it, but fucking thank you, okay? Everett is so <laughs> confused, a little scared. Um, uh, you're, you're welcome, uh, uh, Officer Miller. It, it's it's going to be fine, all right? I mean, we'll, I don't know, uh, maybe Doris can reverse it or or I don't know, but... It's going to be fine. We can undo whatever, I'm sure, whatever it is. Yeah. I need you to remain calm. You know, there's more There's more to discuss here. And I need you to keep from tearing people's arms off unless, you know, absolutely necessary. Val. I don't think you can make that promise right now, Val. <laughs> Based on that messy success scene. This is our yeah. weapon time. <laughs> yeah. Val will... Walk over to the corner and pick up the chair she just mangled and kind of try to unfold it a little bit and put it back where it was. Can you roll me a composure <laughs> and etiquette, please? Is this is this one that I'm going to have to subtract, subtract a dice from because I'm angry? Correct. Here <laughs> we go. Composure, etiquette. Here we go. What can we do? I got two successes. You 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 unfuck the chair a little bit and it gets put back. You actually succeed. <laughs> I'll try right. to I'll try to keep the fucking anger directed at the right people like we talked about. All right. All right. Now, I'm not saying these are the right people. I'm saying these two and I gesture to Kevin and Kamala on the monitor. Introduce the rat people to your son. And I say that's where we take our investigation next. Yeah. No, it sounds good. I'll make, uh, I'll make one phone call. That sounds like a good next step. All right. So it's close enough to morning that you can't go chase them down immediately, Val. Mm -hmm. But the one thing you could do, if you wanted to, was go try to explain to Will, who is currently in jail, what is happening. Why he is feeling the things he is feeling. Why this has all occurred. Yeah. But you know that his emotional state won't actually let him stop feeling any of the bond or any of that kind of Romeo and Juliet, very teenage love until about three months from now. So it's not like you can talk him into reasonability. What do you want to do? One thing that I do want to do that might be a bad choice is I kind of want to call Brooke and see if she had any... But she, if she knew more about this than she was letting on. <laughs> Great. Let's hmm. let's call Brooke. <laughs> Will, <laughs> Will can wait a day. Or He's going to be Will waiting three food. months. He's going to be waiting <laughs> yeah. a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Needs to dry here. out. All right. So, so you call up Brooke. She's like, uh, hey, did you uh, get the, the VH? Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to say thanks again for the heads up on that. Yeah, no problem. H. Stuff's fucked. Yeah. You must have a lot of it, because they brought a lot of it. 
Shit, I thought they might be looking at secondary. They've been building up, and like it's. Let me just say, it sells to a specific crowd that buy a lot of it. Uh, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't mean to be a fucking asshole, but did you know Daria was behind this? Oh shit, that was Daria. No, 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 no. I just knew it was fucking up in your range of things, and. I mean, yeah. fuck, it makes sense. I mean, I, I didn't have much time. I just knew there was a deal. That was kind of it. Uh-huh. If I knew it was fucking Dari, I would have told you. I hate that fucking bitch. All right, fine. I'm trying to be fucking mad at the right people, so. All right, well, li- listen. All I'm saying is if we can get her in a room somewhere with, like, a blindfold and a gag in, like, we could both take turns with a hammer. Like, I'm down with that. <laughs> If she fucking talks, we're fucking hopeless. I mean, that's how she fucked this up in the first place. But, like, if we can cut that out of the equation, I mean, blow torch away. I don't give a shit about Daria. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's a, it's a good thought. It's going to... Uh... Yeah, the, the problem is she's pretty fucking high up with Damian Black's people. Like, I can't, I can't fucking make a move. It's... It's fucking the Irish Civil War in Calgary. I don't know if you know how many fucking bombs are going off. They're, they're like, dominating the media and fucking mind-wiping people left, right, and center so that nobody knows how bad it is. But it is bad. It is a war zone here. Everybody's hiding. Everybody's getting fucking shot. It's ugly. And she, the fucking snake woman, is becoming very important to the dark side of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, really fucked. It seems like, seems like this Note Nostra upheaval is sort of happening at the same time as this other shit that's been going on. Yeah, it's a fucking shit sandwich in Alberta currently. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of shit going sideways. I just didn't think... Honestly, now that I fucking think about it, she went out of her fucking way to just fuck with me. Didn't think I was that high on her goddamn radar. All right, well, if you're ever uh, coming into town and you need some extra muscle or a favor or stuff to move around, I'm a phone call away. All right. Stay safe and out of her fucking radar. All right. Good night. Yeah, good night. Hang up. Uh. And Val is left with that sound. <laughs> Evangeline, you're you're in the office doing your your work, trying to stay on top of the the things that you know Val can't uh, handling press requests, sending out releases, all that kind of stuff. And Everett, uh, Val seems to be somewhat more determined after a conversation he's had with her. It's the end of the workday. And it seems like this is as good a time as any for you to talk to him about what you wanted to talk about. Yeah, being the end of the day and being just like having been a very... uh, Just like stressful couple days. Like this time has just kind of sucked. Like everyone's pretty down. Uh, 
Evangeline, like, she was gonna make this, like, a meeting and being, like, almost like, can we have a fucking, like, intervention on, like, what is going on? And, and she's just like, whatever, let's just get this out of the way. I don't care. I'm not even gonna play what I say. Uh, so, she says, Sheriff? Yeah. Why'd you break the chair? Huh? The chair that Costas sent for me. I know you broke it. And, like, I've been trying to figure out why you would do, like, I... Just fucking, just, like, why? Did Bart tell you? Look, it doesn't matter how I, you know, figured it out. I'm a freaking officer. I can... You know, put Everett, together. You don't even have to roll. The, the only other person who knew was Bart. Yeah. Everett, for a moment, looks at the door, the closed door of, of Bart's office, and just kind of wishes he could kill him with his mind, and then just <laughs> goes back to talking to Evangeline. Look, don't don't blame Barty. <clears throat> I look, I kind of manipulated him into like telling me everything. So it's fine, worry. fine, it's fine. You want a you want an explanation? Yeah, it was a freaking gift from a traumatized man that, like, who's like freaking trauma bonded to me. Like, what the hell? Up until, uh, well, the night of the uh, the bust, I tell you the truth, I wouldn't have had an answer for you. But in uh, talking with uh, HR representative Miller. Kind of help me understand that, uh, where that compulsion came from. It, uh, seems like it's all part and parcel of what we are and, the the urges that come over us when we're put into stressful situations or perhaps, I don't know, when the wind changes directions. I don't, I don't know what it is, but. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah, no. I get that, but like, why, like, why the, why the chair? Like, that's just seems so weird to me. It, uh, felt the most, uh, kind of walk that line that I've, that monkey on my back needed me to walk, which was, uh, God, you know, at the time I felt so righteous in it, but to tell you the truth, I can't remember why I was so mad, but I wanted to, hurt you in some way. And I didn't want... <laughs> wow. I, I'm telling you the truth here, Officer Clark. I was in a bad way on that day, and I knew that I was right for wanting to do it, which is the <laughs> weird thing. And it took all my, I don't know, cunning, I guess, to figure out that I could do damage without you knowing <laughs> and without actually physically hurting you or Percy or Ted or, you know, anyone. If I went ahead and destroyed that chair that you like so much. It was the best I could do with what I what I was dealing with. Now, that's no excuse. I understand. I, yeah, I was I... going to talk to you about it at some point, but obviously... It's never a good time to 
talked to someone about how you went crazy and ordered their favorite chair and destroyed it in the basement. Look, I don't know if any of this is making a lick of sense to you. You generally seem in the day-to-day -to, -day to have a pretty good handle on things, especially in the public eye. Seems to be under uh, combat stress that, you know, you get yeah. a little less steady, I would say. Which I'm not knocking you for it, you know. This line of work ain't for everyone, and we're all kind of in it whether we like it or not, but... Can you roll me a wits and awareness, Evangeline? Yeah. Uh, two successes. Yeah, you remember that if he smashed that chair, it was the night after he kind of blew up at the scene yeah. of where you were attacked. So it's not really just like you have these situations. Yeah. He saw the aftermath of the scene that happened to you, and it set him off. Yeah. Not necessarily a bad thing we have to get mad at him about. I think it's just placing it for you within that. Because what he's saying sounds true. It just yeah. sounds defensive. I think in the way that you are sometimes defensive about the beast and the way it affects you. Yeah. And I think because he brought up, like, you know, didn't want to hurt Teddy or Percy or me personally, I kind of, like... I can't help but think I unintentionally bonded Percy to me, not knowing what I was doing, not knowing if it would, how that would affect him. I freaking fed off of Teddy for months, you know, at least it was just a chair. So, Evangeline says, yeah, yeah, we really have to get a hold of this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. And the two of you go your separate ways. Evangeline, you return home. Val, uh, would home feel like home for you, or would you be staying in the station while Will is here? I think she would have tried to go home the first night and felt ill, and then is staying in the station. Just like, all right, I'll be closer. I can, if something happens, I will be right here. Yep, so Val is already down in the basement in the, the coffin corner of the the setup down there. <sighs> Everett, you go down to join her. Can you roll me a wits and awareness? Yep. Ooh, almost almost a messy successy. Um <laughs> two successes. Two successes. You realize on the way down the stairs as your new dog follows you <laughs> that when you think about what happened with Will, that may have also happened with this dog who has clearly eaten your blood on multiple nights, recovered from its own injuries, and has now been guarding you while you sleep, which apparently it plans to do now. 
Not necessarily wow. a good or a bad feeling, entirely up to you, but the thing that you realize is this dog is your dog now. Yeah. And this dog doesn't have a name. Yeah. So what are you going to name this dog? Uh, that's what I've been thinking about. <laughs> Everett is not a creative person. So I think he's been playing around with names like Rex or Rover or Good Boy. Um, is it a, is a, a male or female dog? Male dog. Male dog? Uh, and he'll just uh, it, 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 it dawns on him that that is what's happened and he just looks down at this dog likely looking up expectantly at him mm-hmm. and he'll just the name comes to him again not a creative bone in his body he'll just look down at the dog and say good boy you're a good and, boy and boy will nod and follow you down to your coffin. Uh, where you lay down... Wait, is it boy and... or good boy? Good boy is his full name. Boy, okay. if you're, you know, familiar with him. Okay. I'm so, <laughs> I, had on, to, I had to be sure. If you're on a boy name basis with him, then yes. Mm. If you and boy are boys, then that's so, acceptable. Yeah. Good boy or boy follows you down yeah. uh, and, and you climb into your coffin and you are about to drift off into torpor when you hear very loud growling. And then you just hear a voice saying, oh, God, why did he eat this fucking dog? Everett, please call off the dog. I have a phone call for you. Uh, here, boy, here, here. Come on around here. And I'll like take him around to the other side of the coffin. Yeah, just, and like, yeah. yeah. And then Barty just passes you a uh, cell phone. Marty, what the hell? Hello? Hello, Sheriff. It is good to speak with you. I understand uh, you've had a bit of an adventure lately, and I would like to, shall we say, be your friend. You know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I want to, shall we say, give you a little party favor to establish my value. So, you have a festival of friendship starting very soon, do you not? Uh, yeah. Who is this? Just a friend. Names are for in-person meetings, not the crude technology of these. What I will tell you is there is an attack coming on your little festival. Not from me, but from someone else. It will come at 11.30 and it will come from the north. Protect your friends, protect your mortals, protect your vampires, and maybe you and I can do business afterwards. What? What kind of business? Oh, we establish value first, then we talk about trade. Why set a price on friendship when you don't know how valuable that friendship is? We'll talk soon, Sheriff. Make sure as few people die as possible. Well, I just <laughs> I feel like all he has is more questions, and I doubt this person is entertaining them. It's just, well... Why, why don't you meet me uh, uh, tomorrow night? Why, why don't we meet right away? Uh, hello? Oh, why rush? This is the fun part. The foreplay. Uh, and then their voice hangs up and the phone call is over. And you realize it's time for you to go talk to Doris about this friendship festival that's looming. 
because apparently it's a whole lot more dangerous than any of you had ever intended. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Laura Hemstra at EL Hemstring on Twitter, and storyteller Ryan Laplante at The Ryan Laplante on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hemstra, and Blood and Syrup's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com. That's D E L B O R O V I C. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel. And our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J A H Z Z A R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of darkness. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Spot Alan, Flynn 1138, Alorain Okapi, OMG, it's Big Nick. D&D and Things, Norma Byers. Schrodinger's Pepper. Guy Edwards, Flea Unit. Madre de Gatos. Lady Maiden, Melissa Rain. And Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.